0: Drake Digital presents the Ask Lawyer Bill podcast with Bill Jones and Scott Jones, attorneys at law. Thanks for listening. Now here's Bill Jones. Welcome
1: back to another installation of Ask Lawyer Bill. With me, as always, my right hand, my cohort since, uh, I guess, since he was born, Christopher Scott Jones. How are you today, Scott?
0: Doing good. I always say it. I've uh, known you my whole life.
1: We. It's good to know that I'm not the only one with stupid dad jokes that that you have them as well. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about the Fifth Amendment. Uh, it is a topic that I know relatively little about. Scott's going to give us some some background. But before we go to that, um, on this on on the last Ask Lawyer Bill segment I did with Sid and Wes, we briefly talked about the Morgan Wallen concert and and what happened there so we're going to go into that in just a little more detail for you before we get to the fifth amendment because it's topical and we have found out some information in the interim so a little bit of background um, and then i'll kind of let scott tell you how this personally applies to us Um, but a little bit of background Uh, morgan wallen is a big country star i cannot tell you uh that I've ever heard anything of his before today. I looked up one of his songs, something about the liquor talked last night, or we let the liquor talk, or something and see, like that. that.
0: that's why you can't quantify me as an old man, because you refer to one of the most like emerging artists as like, well, it's like our dad used to make a joke about smashing pumpkins. He'd call them uh, bashing watermelons.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know the guy's stuff. He's He's a little metrosexual country singer. Uh, and so he's he's popular. I guess he was on The View or The Voice or American Idol or something like that. He was on The Voice. Okay. So he came up on one of those reality shows. He's doing good for himself. And lo and behold, my alma mater, the place that I hold nearest and dearest, where I will retire one day, uh, Oxford, Mississippi, home of your Old Miss Rebels, decided for the first time to hold an outdoor concert. In our cherished and beloved Vaught Hemingway Stadium, so they set up for this concert. Uh, I've heard from all accounts. I've heard they did a horrible job on the parking situation.
0: See, and this uh, this is where I think maybe, and I'm in no way being an Old Miss apologist here, but uh, it's confusing. Is is this the city of Oxford, or is this the university itself? I'll tell you this, outsider's perspective as not a rebel. This is all on Old Miss, even if it was like a city deal versus the. It doesn't matter who's responsible.
1: Old Miss is going to take the blame. Oh,
0: yeah. And and as well, they should. But it just kills me. You're talking about some of the problems. They were talking about two and a half hour traffic when they've got that down on game day to, you know, you can get to wherever you need to go within an hour. Yeah.
1: And and I had, um, well, we had friends that went to the
0: Saturday concert, which apparently rocked. Everybody said it was a great time. I heard the show was good. The only critique I heard about Saturday was a little bit of the traffic, and also that it was eighteen dollar beer night. Other than that, yeah, eighteen
1: dollars seems a little much. But what do I know? What I had some friends that went that night. They left. Um, they left at eleven. They left the concert, and they did not get back to their car until 1.45. They had to walk 7 miles because the shuttles were overrun. Um and they said that they weren't alone. So that that se- that's a bad look. But anyway, apparently he 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 did great. All right, this is where rumors start. There are rumors that after uh Saturday night this young gentleman went out and uh he'd heard the saying that we old Miss may not win every game, but they never lose a party. And apparently he uh, went out and tied one on. Now, I've then, but I've seen sound check videos from Sunday morning where he went out and did a great sound check. And, and from what I heard in the background, it sounded like the kid could sing. Well, then what happened was all of your startup bands, all your openers opened up. So there was apparently like an hour and a half worth of uh, opening bands Some guy named Hardy uh, was playing there, too. And then they took an intermission to set up for this guy. Well, while they're setting up for Morgan, um, after they set up and after they do the 30-minute intermission, they come out and they say, okay, concert's canceled. He has heard his voice and he's tried everything, but he just can't go on. So then you cut to... TikTok, which is obviously a reliable source, where you've got video footage of a security guard saying he could sing, his voice was fine, he was too drunk to stand up, and an ambulance took him away. So that started the rumors that after intermission, or after uh, sound check that day, he was visited by some old Miss co-eds who brought bottles of Jack, and uh, he tied one on and was unable to sing that night. There's another rumor that he got his stomach pumped, and that hurt his vocal cords when they were doing that. So I don't know what to believe. He His camp has issued a statement saying, all that's untrue, um, and I think that he's canceled actually another concert uh, to allow him, him some vocal rest. So they're, they're denying it. While all this is, is important to us, uh, legally there's a reason that we're going to get to, but uh, our brother... Uh, Matt Jones, the middle one, the smart one, the non-lawyer. The non-lawyer. Um, he took his wife and our two
0: nieces down there. T- kind
1: of tell them how that
0: went. Oh uh, well, it's you know, it's it's a concert. I understand as an adult things happen, but they had taken her down there, you know, and they were going to do the Sunday concert. And our oldest niece is kind of getting college age.
1: Mallory's gorgeous. She she belongs
0: at Old Miss. She is a she's a red shirt Miss America. Anywho, d- despite the split in our family between schools, she said she was going to go tour it on that Monday. But uh, I, I just go back to it. So they come out, they announce. Apparently, one of our nieces was distraught to the point, like first heartbreak, distraught. Like uh, she was bawling, is what I heard. Yeah, but but bawling, angry, I think too was also like I'll never again and da da da. Second, and that's Julie. Julie, yeah, don't yeah. cry. Yeah. Second one. Second one was, I think, just like general disappointment. And uh, think about this though, from her perspective, you got to go back and sit in the hotel room, and, right? And, and you got to think about it because you got to get up the next day and go tour the place where your disappointment from not seeing them still is asleep from the next night. So, well, so, so, and, when, and I had. Oh, and by the way, I had clients. Who I'm friends with, or other friends on Facebook, they're turning around showing videos of their kids, and their their girls are just bawling. Uh, I've Uh-oh. seen them, so it's a bad look. Well, yeah, it's a bad look so, all the way around. So
1: when I'm talking to Matt, one of the first things he says is, "This is well." He had some choice words that I can't really say, but in addition to those, he he said, um, "You know what? I, I had to pay for gas down here. Uh, I've had to pay for eating out with these girls." and I'm having to get a hotel room, and I wouldn't have done this. Parking I pass. Yeah, he was like, I would have just brought her down here for a tour. I would not have gotten a hotel because, you know, we, we don't live that far away from campus. Well, so Matt's griping about that, and, and they're saying that they're going to refund tickets. And all of that kind of glanced past my mind until Scott sent me an article uh, and that is the following. Take it away, Scott.
0: Are you talking about the lawsuit? Yeah. It's, okay. So a lady out of she she employ, her name was Brandy Burcham. Now Miss Burcham felt that her calls, like you said, sure she can get a refund for the tickets if she purchased them direct. This doesn't account for you. Got to remember, what if I bought the tickets from a, a secondhand? You know, salesperson online, I can't take that if my purchase information and and get a refund. So if
1: you bought your tickets, and I heard tickets for this thing were going for like 400
0: that's on the floor. Yeah, that's a cheaper one, but yeah.
1: So if you bought that from a scalper,
0: you're just done. Oh, you're just out. And and what's funny is if the scalper still has a record of it, the scalper can go back and get a refund. So now he's got your money and his original money. Fun stuff. Uh, so right. Bertrand- but, Yeah, so look, the, so they filed the suit and, and she said, well, there's enough people there. I'm going to make it a class action for all the ancillary cost. You know, shows have insurance. I know from a special event uh, past, but they don't cover certain things. They cover if an artist gets sick. They don't cover if an artist consumes so much alcohol, he's blackout drunk at the end of it. That's right. So, so, so there's an issue there. However... Well, so
1: she's suing. She originally was suing for breach of contract and negligence
0: um, and she said that she had not yet received her refund. But yeah, there's that, an update. And that was originally reported by WLBT, I think is out of Jackson, the, the Mississippi one. But they have since posted an update. And it doesn't read anything. It is just a direct upload of a court document. And it was filed in, on 425. So that's two days ago as we're having this. And it is a notice of a voluntary dismissal of her suit. Um, So she's dismissed it. She is dismissed it by her representation, Mr. Casey Lott, um, who is her attorney. And then the attorney on the other side was Langston and Lott, PLLC. Um, is, is the main firm, but Casey Lott was the attorney. Yeah. Um, of and record. you went to law school with one of those guys, right? Well, I went to law school with somebody who worked there once upon a time. Um, I, I think maybe they've now moved on, but I've at least know the firm enough yeah. to know this. This is, a North, so why, why do you, this is a North Mississippi firm. So
1: why do you dismiss that? Why, why do you dismiss that? She must have
0: gotten... Well, a couple of reasons. If if you start telling her, they're you know, if your attorney says what's your legal basis and i can't talk about that because i'm not licensed in mississippi but sure. if you i start looking you dead in the eyes and I'll say, i say understood you had a moment where you were willing to pay me to file a lawsuit but now that the reality has set in on you maybe you don't have the appetite you thought you had uh, maybe you're getting phone calls from your friends saying why are you suing morgan wallen or you become the talk of the town or whatever it might be there are many reasons you can dismiss a lawsuit but to to file it and dismiss it this quickly tells me one of a couple of things. Either you went in hot and you just found an attorney who thought in good faith, had a reasonable case, so they file it. You now have buyer's remorse and you won out. You don't want to be the front runner name on a class action lawsuit. Now
1: Or Morgan said, I don't want this kind of publicity. Give her give her a couple of that,
0: grand and let's go away. I mean, it could potentially be a settlement offer with a non-disclosure agreement signed on the back of it. It yeah. could very well be that. It, we don't know because it was a voluntary dismissal.
1: So I'll be curious to see what happens. I'll be looking in the news to see if uh, any other lawsuits are filed or if uh, they reissue it. The, the bottom line, the saying, um, old Miss, you know, we may not win every game, but we never lose a party. I think that that still holds true. Because we have to remember, Morgan is a douchebag from Knoxville. He's a Tennessee fan. He doesn't get to come to our stadium and lose the party. So it's, it's still on him. That's my opinion
0: on that. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that might be a little strong. I, I happen to actually like some of his music. Some of it is a little bit, but a douchebag might be a little strong. Hey, um, if you're listening out there, please send all hate mail no, to no, stop, stop. What is it? What's your email address? So, oh, okay. all
1: right. So now we're going to move on to. I just. I, look, I'm. I like the old country. Hey, look, I get you. I'm a grandpa I'm, now. Hey,
0: if you stuck stuck behind it based on the fact he was a UT fan, I, I wouldn't even have said anything. Just, yeah, yeah. Well, All yeah. right, now that, now I'm with it. you. He's
1: okay. a UT fan. Now I'm with you. Get on the hate train with me. I'm with you, Mallory. If you are listening, don't hold Ole Miss accountable. That's not our fault. All right, you'll you'll fit in great at Ole Miss. All right, so now on to the Fifth Amendment. Um the Fifth Amendment, we're gonna we're continuing on in our look and our discussion of the Fifth Amendment. I gotta tell you, I played uh the Fourth Amendment where we were talking about uh what to do with police officers when you get stopped. I was talking to uh, my son about that who is fifteen and I made him listen to it and he actually learned some things. So if you've got kids out there and you have not heard that one, pull it up. On, uh, on the website. Give it another listen and check it out because it really does have some practical tips and what to say during a traffic stop. So let's assume that you've done something a little bit worse. Uh, that's where the Fifth Amendment's going to kick in, and we're going to talk about that today. The actual Fifth Amendment says, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime Unless on presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor shall private property be taken for use without just compensation. All right, so I'm going to knock out a couple of the easy parts of this first that we're not really going to discuss too much. So the last clause in there says, "Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation." And that's
0: the takings calls. That's that, right. That we always hear about, you know. And that's uh...
1: we've got. So on our on our land out in Rosemark, at the back of Mom and Dad's land. There's some big old TVA towers. Yeah. Okay. So the government came and took that, and when they did, they didn't just take it and say na na ha ha ha. They took it and they paid our grandparents who owned the land at the time compensation for putting those towers on their land.
0: Well, and, and there's another example, you know, uh, that out in that same area, the highway Austin P fourteen is expanding. Right. So down an entire 16, 16 mile stretch. They're coming and taking 50 feet from both sides, uh, you know, from both sides. Sometimes you're in somebody's front yard now. I don't
1: don't know if, yeah, and I don't know if you remember this. uh, Our grandparents owned uh, more land up Highway 14. Still do. And when they extended the lanes there, they got another check. They got another check for the land that they took to extend that highway. So bottom bottom line is government can't take your property without compensating it for you. And they have to show a legitimate purpose in doing it. Um, Now, there's some fighting that goes back and forth about are they paying me what it's worth? Are they paying me enough? yeah. But we don't really, really want to get into that. That's just
0: about as much as I want to say about the takings clause. Yeah, think about it as market rate at the time, and that's what you're arguing about is, is market rate a little higher, a little lower. But they have to give you, you know, comparable to what land's going for in the jurisdiction, and it's got to be a necessity for a public use. So the the meat and potatoes of this, where
1: we kind of want to get into, um, let's, let's deal with – we're go, kind of going in reverse order um, – We're going to talk now about
0: double jeopardy. Scott, fill us in on that. So double jeopardy. Essentially, everybody's always heard it. Uh, You can't be charged for the same crime twice, although there's some debate about whether or not that's true. It's uh, similar. We've talked about it before on the show. You're charged with murder. You can be charged on that on both a state level and a federal level. You can get a sentence from both entities. Um, but generally speaking you can't sue me for something and I went or I'm sorry sue me you can't arrest can't arrest me for something I'm found innocent and then arrest me later under the same circumstances for the same crime
1: right so if 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 you go the distance and you get found not guilty you're you're good you can go out you can do your own thing um Keep going back to where it says the grand jury, though. Um, it, it says no person shall be held to answer Yeah. So unless presentment or indictment of a grand jury. So instead of looking at what grand juries all over the place look like, I want to talk about grand juries here in Shelby County.
0: Well, and I want to go back real quick. Just one thing to remember, that I remember this from my bar days, the most important thing to know about a grand jury indictment is that a grand jury indictment is essentially issuing probable calls, which goes back to our last one. They are finding if enough calls exist to charge you with the crime. That's why grand jury indictments typically don't go through the same process for a DUI as it would for, let's say, money laundering on a business or something like that. Uh, or or something because, yeah, you're going to get arrested on the spot, but the determination of probable cause isn't something that happens on the side of a road. It's happening in a room with this grand jury.
1: Yeah, so a grand jury, like Scott's saying, it does not determine guilt or innocence. So how a grand jury works is, so like Scott's saying, a grand jury does not determine guilt or innocence. So in Shelby County, our grand jury, we've got 12 members uh so there's five alternates and then there's a foreman uh these people are selected by uh, the administrative judge in criminal court and the four person uh, serves a two-year term whereas everybody else serves two months okay and they're drawn basically from the same jury poll pool that we use for trials so if you get called for jury duty there's a chance that you could get pulled uh, on to a grand jury. The qualifications are the same as that of a juror. Um, it's can it's often called a petite jury. Um, you've got to be 18 years old. You've got to be a U.S. citizen. You have to have lived here in Shelby County for 12 months. Um, you're ineligible for jury duty if you've been convicted of a felony, perjury, or a big crime. So
0: it's, it's pretty much the same rules to be a normal, normal juror. It's but, exactly the same. Okay, but once I the breakdown where we said they're not establishing innocence and guilt. They're essentially just figuring out if you're guilty enough to go forward. Yeah.
1: So each week, two grand juries meet independently of each other. So you got two grand juries, one meets on Tuesdays and one on Thursdays. So at the end of each session, they issue indictments uh, and then they're assigned to courtrooms. So the grand jury hears and votes on dozens, if not, you know, several dozen cases per session, per per time. They return about 10,000 indictments a year here in Shelby County. Those can be anything from shoplifting all the way up to uh, first degree murder. So you need 12 votes for an indictment. uh, And the four person only votes if a 12th vote is needed. So if 11 people vote uh, to indict, and that 12th person votes not to, then the four person can vote uh, to indict, and then you got your 12th vote. If something happens, then that's when you fill in one of those five alternates. Uh, but again, like Scott's saying, an indictment's not proof of guilt. It's only finding that probable cause, and there's enough probable cause there for somebody to go to criminal court.
0: Um, to charge you with crime, essentially. I mean, it's. What's always struck me about these these is that when you're when a grand jury proceeding is going on you are the the person they're talking about and your counsel and your representation at this point we talked about the attachment issue you're not allowed in the room now you can be in the room but you can ask to be in the room if you're you can
1: ask if you've been um, If you've been detained, or you know if you've been arrested, you can ask to be in there. That's very rare. You do not have
0: a right to be in there. In fact, it's secret. And the um, normal rules about evidence and stuff, even evidence that may not be admissible in a court of law, you can you can bring that evidence in there and show you, it to them. You
1: just gotta show this grand jury, hey, I think I've got an I think I've got enough here to convince you that this person's guilty.
0: Yeah, don't worry about whether or not I can get the evidence in, just here's what I have. Yeah. Is there enough smoke here to make fire?
1: But everything that's done behind here it's secret. Um uh, and, and they have it, it has to be secret so they're free from intimidation um and to you know to assist them if they don't come back with 12 votes um then there's nothing the case is the case is over um grand jurors do not work for the district attorney's office they do not work for the police they do not work for the judge they're an independent fact-finding body all right so it says here that you can't be held to answer for a crime unless you've been indicted from a grand jury. And then it's got some things about except in military cases, and we're not really going to get into all that. Uh, Scott's talked a little bit about double jeopardy. You can't be tried twice for the same case. So then let's get to, Nor shall you be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against yourself. Well, and here's the deal. I, one thing I thought
0: that... I always lose track of, but it should be your guiding light when you talk about the Fifth Amendment, is that it is about due process. It is about the process that you're allowed. So before somebody can deny you of your life, so electric chair, liberty, your ability to not be in a jail cell and move freely, things like that, property, before you can be denied that, there's a process that needs to happen. So all of these things we're talking about, a jury trial, yeah. Indictment. That you can't be double jeopardy. These are all part of the due process you always hear about. If
1: you're in your forties and and you're, you're our age and you were forced to read Kafka, that's where that, that phrase Kafkaism comes from. It's you know, a a guy that was he didn't know what he was accused of, he didn't know what he'd done, he he didn't know what the charges were, he didn't know how to defend himself. Um
0: you you can't do that.
1: So you're, you're entitled to your due process
0: of law. Yeah, now I just wanted to touch that, but you were yeah. talking about covering all the different subjects. Look, everybody always thinks, so we're talking about double jeopardy, fair trial, jury trial. But what's a fair trial? What do you say about the word fair that I've adopted? Yeah, uh, the, the fair is where they put blue ribbons on pigs. That's right. It's got rides and funnel cakes. Yeah, it Fair has nothing to do with life. That's right. So, of course, because that's how everybody thinks, fair has nothing to do with it. Uh, that fair describes a set of things that have to happen that law has come out with over time. So, like, for instance, I can't hold you in a jail cell for a week and a half until I decide to have an arraignment hearing for you. Uh, it has to happen a certain amount of time. There are rules and regulations. Your, your trial, you have, you have a right to face your accuser. Now, that actually falls under a different amendment, but just generally speaking, people hear Fifth Amendment, and they think the old Chappelle skit, FIF, I plead the fifth. Yeah, Like, I don't have to say anything. And that's just generally what people think it is, but that's not necessarily what it is. Before I go, we go into the process, give us the quick Miranda deal. You, you probably know how to explain it better than I do.
1: Yeah, so when when you say, look, a lot of people, I think, are shocked when you read the Fifth Amendment that it does not contain, <laughs> that it, it doesn't say you have the right to remain silent. Anything can, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, that's not in, in the Fifth. What What are Miranda... Rights, where that derived from, in 1963, the police in Phoenix, Arizona, arrested Mr. Miranda. Mr. Miranda was charged with rape, kidnapping, and robbery.
0: He was a, sounds like a great, great fellow. Sounds like a guy you want to arrest and get to confess to his crimes. That's right. So <laughs> the cops did.
1: They put him in a room, and they questioned him for two hours. Uh, After two hours of just grilling this guy, he signed a written confession, and after that, uh, he was convicted, and they used his confession to get his conviction. His attorney, Alvin Moore, said, no, that's not right. He had the right to have an attorney. You violated both his Fifth and His Sixth Amendment rights. We'll talk about the Sixth Amendment later. Well, I
0: was going to say that's where that comes from. Sixth says once you're charged with a crime, you have to have an attorney. That's right. Um,
1: So after that, uh, the Supreme Court decided to hear Miranda's case. The lawyers argued that. And then they decided that uh, the confessions are illegitimate and holding that the constitutional rights under the Fifth were violated because you should have— advised him that he had the right to remain silent, that he had the right to an attorney, and that if he could not afford an attorney, one would be appointed for him.
0: And that's really funny how the language from the opinion essentially became the uniform Miranda, Miranda rights adopted by every state. Now, that that's a quick tidbit we'll get into later, but that's the interesting thing is technically this Fifth Amendment only applies to, to federal stuff. It well, doesn't apply me, to the states. Well, we'll get to that later when we get to the 14th so Amendment. So here's
1: here's the – let me put the bow on this and end this. So um, Mr. Miranda, the Supreme Court said, yeah, he, you get to have a second trial – And they don't get to use that confession against you. So in the case, uh, they found him guilty without the confession, and the judge sentenced him to 30 years. He got out on parole in 1972, where he was killed by a man who did receive his Miranda rights after he killed Mr. Miranda. So this guy stabbed Mr. Miranda to death, and when the cops came to arrest him, they read him his Miranda rights. So Mr. Miranda died January 31st, 1976.
0: Interesting well, twist to that story. You know, and look, here's a couple of things to remember, okay? We talked about it. There's a whole lot of complicated legal issues that lay under the surface. Like, why do, why do, I, have to be, why do I have to be read my rights? Well, because you're entitled to a lawyer. You have the right to one before you do it. So, the Sixth Amendment, there's this concept, and you know, it's called attachment. Now, once you are, if you're suspected of a crime, then if you want a lawyer, you have to positively and clearly invoke, if you are being questioned and are not free, if you're being detained. Okay,
1: so let's. Yeah, you have to invoke that. All right, so let's role play that. So, um, we're on Hill Street Blues, you're asking me questions, and I go,
0: lawyer. No, that's not good enough. You have, you have to affirmatively say, right, I need a lawyer. Sure, you probably do need a lawyer. That's not it either. I want to speak to my attorney. I want to speak to my lawyer. Don't Now, in a jail cell, when somebody's asking you questions, is not the time to be cavalier. That's the time to be really clear and shrink your vocabulary down to, I want a lawyer. But this is all, you haven't been officially charged with the crime yet. Yeah. You're just being questioned. Right. So uh, once you're charged with a crime, they don't have to tell you that anymore. It automatically, they're not going to ask you anything without a lawyer present. But anything prior to that where they're trying to figure out what's going on, yeah. Uh, interesting little tidbit. We talked about it before we started up. The uh, Anything you say can and will be used against you, well, under a different set of rules, evidence, Only things you say after they read you Miranda, only things that hurt you can ever be admitted into law because under evidence, it's an admission. If you say something that helps you and completely proves you're innocent after they read you Miranda, that can't be used in court. All right, so what you're saying is basically you're, you're better off not saying well, let's do this let's roll back let's go to the language of Miranda real quick so right, re- re- you, read what it says you if you've ever seen a cop show you should know all <laughs> this you have the right to remain silent okay stop right there which means at this point the officer is informing you you do not have to answer any questions if you do not want to you have the right to keep your mouth shut okay Anything you say can and will be used against you so, in a court of law. Yeah, okay. So if I tell you that uh, you pull me over on the side of the road, okay, and, and we're driving and you say, well, sir, we know uh, your wife's been murdered and we suspect that you're the one that did it. You're in the car driving around. You say, no, 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 no. I was at my secretary's house having an affair. I wasn't at, I, I couldn't have done it. That's cool. You get down the road later in trial. Nobody's talking about your alibi where you were necessarily. Say, well, I told them from day one this is where I was. I didn't come up with it later. Your admission on the scene that you were there Can you cannot, be, can't be used to show that you're telling the truth. That's there. right. It can't be used to show that you're innocent. Now, if you say, well, I was. Yeah, I killed her. But yeah, I, was, I did it. No, if you say I was on my way to go see the secretary to have an affair I can use that against you because you're not there yet, and I can show you. I can connect dots on windows on times it took you this much. So it works yeah. against you. I can use it under evidence thing. Usually that's hearsay, but it doesn't count here. So you you don't have to answer any of the questions. I'm telling you, you have the right to remain silent. You uh, anything right. you say can and you, will be used you, against, against you in the court of law. So I'm giving you all the warnings up front before I start asking you questions. All right, you have What's the up right up? to an attorney. That's right. Now. The Fifth Amendment does not give you a right to an attorney unless you positively invoke them like we were talking about. I want to speak to my attorney. I want them. If you don't say those words, they can continue to ask questions and anything you say can be used against you. If now if you've been charged with the crime, they don't have to read you Miranda because you have a Sixth Amendment right of almost a requirement. Once you are officially charged with a crime, for a lawyer to be present with you, to have legal counsel. But before that, before you've been officially charged, when they're still gathering information, asking questions. And that's that's why we have public defenders.
1: 100%.
0: Part of what my job, of what I do.
1: Which is the last part of it. If you cannot
0: afford an attorney... One will be appointed for you. And I always think it's interesting. As a public defender, I tell people all the time that I do that, and they say, oh, well, of course, you're getting taxpayer money for all this. It's very interesting. In the state of Tennessee, uh, the lawyers in the state fund the indigent attorney fee that's established under Rule 13. It's all the interests that are gained off of all our lawyers' bank accounts. That's why we don't keep them, is we pay other lawyers to defend those who can't defend themselves.
1: So... One thing I find interesting is that if if you're lying to the cops, right? They're going to use that against you.
0: And it's admissible because it's a prior inconsistent <clears throat> statement now. That's right. But for impeachment purposes. But if if the cops are lying to you, that's fair game. Okay, in that interrogation room, they can tell you Hey, you know your buddy we arrested you with over there, he's, he's trying to write out his confession saying you did the whole thing. Here's a piece of paper. If you're a faster writer and can beat him, you get the deal.
1: Yeah, it, so I mean, if they, they can it, let's say you and I rob a bank. They put us in yeah. two different rooms, sure, and they can come in and, and you and I have said, hey, we're, we're never going to turn on each other, and, and we don't. We're brothers, so till the end, you're keeping your mouth shut. I'm keeping my mouth shut. The officer can come in there and say, Scott, I got bad news for you. Lawyer Bill's in there, and he is crying like a baby, and he, he wrote down everything. We've got the plans, the designs. We know how you guys have been planning this. He's flipped on you. And you know what? If It'll save us some paperwork. If, if you'll sign this confession, we'll help you out and try and get you the, the minimum sentence. Meanwhile, I'm over there and they're telling me the same thing about you. That's right. but Because they don't have what they're telling you they mm-hmm. have. So at that opportunity... And both of us believe them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we both sign the confession. Sure. And then at trial, we go, wait a second. Wait a second. They, they lied to us.
0: Ah, okay. So a couple of things. You're talking about a process of admitting guilt. We need to make sure that the steps are right and give you your correct due process which is what we're talking about here. So were you read your Miranda rights? Yes. Sure. So they told you, you didn't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to answer any questions and you get a lawyer. And if you can't afford one, we're going to get you one. But you choose to not say, hey, that thing you said about lawyers, I'd like to talk to one before I do any of this. If you do that, they instantly have to stop, get up and walk out of the room. They cannot ask you any more questions. And, And what's interesting is, People don't realize the back of the cop car is usually the place where this matters the most on uh, on an on-scene arrest. Because you get in the back, you had a couple of cocktails, you figure you're not on the street, body cam maybe not rolling. You forget about the cruiser cam (laughs) that is recording you telling the cop about how your mom was going to be heartbroken. You're getting charged with the DUI because you made a dumb decision and went out drinking all night. Yeah, now look. That's admissible.
1: By the way. Don't be that guy. Don't be the three stages of drunk in the backseat of a car. Yeah,
0: but let's go back. So we're in the interrogation room. We're being asked these questions. Yeah. And I got a guy lying to me. If I never said the magic words, I want to speak to my lawyer, they can keep shoving lies down my throat repeatedly for however long because I've been advised that I can get a lawyer. I don't have to answer this. I don't have to sit in here and do this. And I simply chose to just sit there. My recommendation, you're in an interrogation room. Somebody ever slides you a piece of paper, talking about putting your signature on it. Yeah. Flip it over on the back and write the words, I want to speak to a lawyer, and put a hard period and slide it back to them. So there's
1: some concern, and there are some law changes going on around the nation, Uh, Illinois, Oregon, Utah. And uh, Delaware is proposing le- le- legislation right now. Um, there's an issue with giving cops the ability to lie to kids. So whether you whether you believe it or not, under the age of 25, the brain is not fully developed, and one of the parts of the brain that's responsible for future planning, for judgment, for decision making, is not. Fully developed until around the age of twenty five. Well,
0: let me know. With this is the issue that kind of touches close with me because my public defender work is exclusively with juveniles, and we call them Scotts Tots, from the office. That's right. Yeah, Uh, you don't like that, but we make fun of you. Look, I like because look, it's kids, but it is a public defender role. I will. I'm not going to try to sound like I'm a saint. It's not charity. I don't do it for free. I mean, with what they pay you, it's practically charity. But yes. So uh, all that being said, this issue of I've run into this all the time. Not even lying to a kid. How do you question a sixteen-year-old who doesn't have the uh, the ability to give you consent to ask him questions? Sure, you got to go to mom and dad. You got to get mom and dad's permission. So you can sit there and talk with the kid, and you know, and if you're an officer and you can assert your position on them, and they're going to tell you everything because kids fold; they don't know, but. I can't even, as a kid, give you that. So really, at that point, they're just gathering information on how to build a case if they're questioning a kid. There are some. There was a case study where they looked at uh,
1: 268 cases where, through DNA evidence, somebody had been exonerated. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears> Thirty-four percent of the false confessions. Were from kids under the age uh, of eighteen. Well, I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna say the public defender line as it refers to. So you know, in the law, we can swap sides for or against real easy. Sure. In the public defender role, when you mention all these DNA exonerations, that's if and when they ever get the kits or things yeah, processed. Yeah, that's a, But that's I'm just a saying that's the, that's the, yeah, but that's the public defender role. I mean, you're talking about they're exonerated. It's like, well, of course they are. They're probably sitting on the kit for ten years, and you know. So the cops can absolutely
1: lie to you. Um, There's no question about it. But if you
0: invoke your right to speak to an attorney, that's it. You're not going to be sitting into a room. You're not going to get lied to. Because, look, here's what's interesting, Bill. If you remember some of the case law from law school, what if I'm sitting in the back of the cop car and the cop doesn't make a statement that if it was written would end with a question mark? So, so it's the, I'm Ron Burgundy. It's the, that one. What if the cop says, man, you, for somebody who know, you know, for somebody who seems so clean, son, you sure know how to mess a life up. We got the other crew headed over to go pick up that body you buried three days ago. You're in for a deep one, man. If I just keep saying statements that are designed to elicit a response, that's enough to be in violation of Miranda. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a question. It's you have to over, you have to invoke lawyer and then they have to overcome your free will and pretty much wear you down and then none of that stuff will be admitted. But before that, it, it, it's not always just a question mark. It can be a statement. It's trying to get you to elicit you to make statements against yourself. So in a civil case, In
1: divorce cases sometimes, we've got people – generally we see it with either uh, embezzlement or drunk driving or drug use or something like that, where if you're asking them on the stand, isn't it true that you sell cocaine or something like that during their divorce proceeding to try and show they're an unfit parent, they can invoke – or they they often invoke a Fifth Amendment right. When they do that, the court – draw can draw a negative inference so in a civil matter if you choose not to testify and take take you know remain silent the court i I think it's actually the 14th but anyway if you remain silent the court can draw a negative inference and assume you've actually done what they say you're doing because you're doing that now in a criminal case scott if i I'm accused of murder and robbery, and I choose not to testify.
0: Yeah, you don't have to. Right. And a lot of times, especially in my public defender work, I recommend they don't testify. And that is because you get up on the stand, you can actually act as a witness against yourself because— They can ask you anything they want to, and you may know whether you can answer it or not. But yeah, like you're so they've got to prove your case without your help. That's right. The burden of proof lay lies with the state. So what you're talking about in a civil trial, I think, is fascinating. One of the exceptions, uh, statute of limitations in the state of Tennessee, six years on a breach of contract. Right. Okay. Okay. Let's say we're in your divorce trial, seven years down the road after you had breached a contract. And you got a, whatever, a two parties or a husband and wife look at each other and say, well, you know, you did this on this real dishonest thing on this contract many, many years ago. And this is why I should get more money out of this or whatever. And and that person says, I don't want to talk about it. I plead the fifth. He, he can do that or she can do that, whoever it is, because they are not threatening to take away your your liberty that's right they're just gonna hit your checkbook so it's civil so where in a in a court of law for a criminal trial it might not fly here they start thinking you know what that's fine oh by the way an exception applies here because this court will grant you immunity Based on your testimony, because the statute of limitations has run on it, so testify. We don't care that you that you invoke this. So there are times that it doesn't apply. So if,
1: if you get immunity, you got to talk. Yeah, uh, but but here's yeah. here's the, the the difference. The big difference in in my mind, jurors often ask, "Well, oh, we didn't know why you didn't testify." The prosecutors cannot say that's right. Cannot make mention of the fact. Scott wouldn't even get up on the stand and defend himself. They can't make any mention of that. Well,
0: you always hear the phrase, an innocent man should never fear taking the stand because he's got nothing to hide. Right. That is not how it works. (laughs) That that might be the public perception, but that is not how it works. And and the prosecutor
1: cannot point that out. Yeah. All right. So, in closing, um, I'm not a Morgan fan. I'm still an old miss fan. Mallory needs to go there and if you get arrested for anything, shut up.
0: That's right. Well, and here, I, look, and I tell, ask for a lawyer. I tell people the same thing. If I if I could leave you this week with one sentence, it would be this. Anytime you are stuck in a situation where somebody presents you a set of documents or you're talking to somebody with a badge and they start asking you a bunch of questions, just go ahead and and take the plunge and just say, you know, I, I'd really like to speak to a lawyer before I talk about this or before I look at this or before I sign this. Your vocabulary shrinks down to, I would like to consult with a lawyer. That's it. One sentence. That's all you need. That's all you got to say. All right. We'll see you back here next
1: week. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know if we're going to do the sixth. I'll, I'll get with Scott and we'll come up with a
0: topic for next week. Yeah, sixth is pretty easy. Uh, some of those other ones we should we'll, we might just put into one single segment and yeah. wrap a whole bunch of we're, them up.
1: We'll, we'll see what we're going to do. But if if you've got a topic or something that you'd like to hear us talk about, drop us a line. Uh, you can find us on the web at midsouthdivorcelawyerbill.com. dot com. Scott the office. Uh, is seven six one five three five three, or you've got a nifty website? Yeah, well, new I was going to
0: say, actually, as part of you know, I've been working on, I've got my new website. It's under construction, yeah. but it's uh, C. Scott Jones, like the letter. C. com. That's
1: such clever marketing. Legal
0: problems? C. Scott Jones. That's and then the phone number, clever. direct line, is 901 C.S. Jones, which is 901 275 6637. You don't need to remember that. Just C.S. Yeah. Jones. That's, that's pretty, right.
1: That's pretty good. Yeah. All right, so you can hit us up there. You can always find our podcast online. Now we're going to return you to the best rock and roll only on Drake Digital.